You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hi, Molly. Hi, I'm excited to chat with you today. Um, it's kind of weird actually not being in person with you because we've always been in person. I know. And I just wanted to um, interview you about your experience. And I'm really excited <laughs> to share this story just because like you and I met in a very unusual way. And <laughs> yeah. Um, and I haven't like heard a lot about your pregnancy because right. we didn't know each other. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to hear a little bit about it and you can go as far back as you want, like, um, like conception, if you want, you know, like, was this planned? Was this a surprise? Like, what was pregnancy like for you? Um, was there anything difficult or things you loved and how the pandemic kind of played into that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh God. Yeah. So you became um, pregnant. Go. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I wouldn't say that it wasn't planned because I feel like you're either actively trying not to get pregnant or you're not trying not to get pregnant yeah. and then you get pregnant. Yeah. Like, you know, so, how babies are made. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> I've been tracking for about eight years, like religiously. I knew exactly when I ovulated, I was always super careful around that time. And then we started getting a little lazy. We had the talk, we should be careful or we're going to get pregnant and then we got pregnant <laughs> and I was hysterical and freaking out because it wasn't planned. And my boyfriend just looked at me and said, babe, I don't know why you're upset. Like we actually knew this was going to happen. <laughs> um, and he was like super excited and super positive and I was still terrified. Um, but his reaction made it better. So that was in November of 2019 that I found out I was pregnant. Or no, December 2019, I found out I was pregnant. So right before COVID. Mm -hmm. Right before I got Took crazy. over everyone's life. Yeah. Um, and I've always worked with kids my whole life. So I always knew I wanted kids. Mm -hmm. um, and every one of my friends has kids. I'm like pretty much the last one to get pregnant. There's a few, but most of my friends have kids. Mm -hmm. um, my cousins have kids. So I've been around babies a lot um, and you do not know what pregnancy is like until you're pregnant. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much experience you have with kids. Pregnancy is nothing like what I mean, I can you. agree with you on that. Like I was a student midwife and had been to hundreds of births by the time I became pregnant and I was still like, oh my God, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I don't want to be negative at all, but I want to be transparent and I did not love being pregnant. Um, Me either. I, I was sick 24 seven, pretty much my entire pregnancy, but I didn't throw up. So there was no like um, relief yeah. from sickness and like um, nausea all day, like sour stomach all day long. I'm a pretty healthy person in the way that I eat. I would say for the most part, every once in a while, like I sneak a little fast food, but for the most part, like always like pretty healthy. And for the first like three and a half months I was pregnant, 
I couldn't look at a vegetable or eat meat or any animal product at all. I pretty much ate bagels and cream cheese, pasta, uh, cucumbers, I guess, but cucumbers don't really count, they're like water. And that's all I ate every day. Such a common thing. People are like, I want to start off my pregnancy really healthy. And then they're like, all I want is like comfort foods and like mac and cheese, you know, like. Yeah, pasta. I can keep down. It's like, it's survival mode at that point. You just have to like get food in you somehow. Yeah. And then I, of course, and I felt really guilty because I wasn't nourishing my baby appropriately. And um, I didn't. No, I had no idea what I wanted to do about birth. I like thought about home birth, but for me, home birth wasn't, it was like not enough medical intervention. Like the hospital felt like too much because mm-hmm. I felt like birth is an emergency and the hospital is where you go when you have an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't want to go to the hospital um, and I didn't want to birth at home because I was scared <laughs> mm-hmm. of all the what ifs, even though a lot of my girlfriends have birthed at home and had flawless births. Even my one friend who did end up having to go to the hospital after the home birth, it was like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose to go to a birth center mm-hmm. and which is always a little interesting because I'm like a super planner. And at a birth center, there's like numerous midwives and you meet them all and you never know which one's going to be there when you birth. So that for me was like a little hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew there were certain things I didn't, didn't want to do while I was pregnant. And I didn't want any sort of vaccines or shots or anything. I didn't want to put anything into my body that I felt like wasn't going to be healthy for the baby, regardless of what it might do for me. Right. And, um, when I was going to the birth center that I had chosen, um, they had, they had offered me, um, a flu shot and another vaccine type of shot, maybe a Tdap or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I told them, you know, I was uninterested and then they offered it to me again at my next one and at my next one. And so that was kind of like the spiral of me being like, wow, I feel like this pregnancy is like, I'm pregnant, but I'm being like influenced and told what I need to be doing, even though I'm vocalizing, this is not what I want. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of didn't really feel very respected. Mm-hmm. Was it pushy in a way, or was it just kind of like, oh, we offer this all the time? No, it was pushy. It was pushy. It was pushy. Yeah. Um, and then when I actually said, I actually, I would like you to stop asking me because I've been very clear what my plan is for my body and my baby. Um, the response I was given was, well, we're going to ask you every time you come. Oh, wow. And I just, I remember I left in tears and it was COVID. So Jeremy didn't get to come to any of those appointments with me. Mm-hmm. I was going by myself to every appointment and I grew up with a single parent and I told myself that's not what I wanted for myself in pregnancy, in parenthood. And I felt like I'm in this super happy, thriving relationship and I'm going through my pregnancy like a single parent. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to share any of those things. Yeah. And especially like a first pregnancy and like who decided that partners were non-essential people? <laughs> like besides you and the baby, they're like the most uh, essential person in this experience. Exactly. And I'm not going to digress into COVID things. I want to, but I just feel like 
we share saliva every day. So whatever I'm bringing into that room, they are bringing it into, it's no different. So that was really hard for me. Um, and I had some mom friends in my ear keep talking about home birth, but, Mm -hmm. um, Jeremy was uninterested for him. He was like, not a chance. Um, what if something happens, you know, all the fears he would list off. So I remember then I went to, all right. Once I got into my second trimester, I loved my body, but I still didn't feel good. And I didn't get to share it with anyone I felt. And it was really, it was depressing because of the social distancing and yeah, yeah, everything. That was hard. And I was never a strict social distancer. Um, you know, I didn't conjure in large groups, but I still saw my close friends Mm -hmm. and I just felt like being someone who always makes everything about everyone else and, you know, sharing all of my friends time with them and going through those processes. Like it was finally my turn and I didn't get any of that. And that was really, really hard because I was feeling like I wasn't getting the same attention or the same, just like love from everyone all the time. But then I was feeling guilty (laughs) that I was feeling like I wanted more attention. Mm -hmm. So it was just a really hard place to be. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Birth or pregnancy was weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was uncomfortable and I didn't want to bitch. And I feel like nobody wants to say like, I don't like being pregnant because then you feel like you're being judged because you're not going to be a good mom because you don't like being pregnant. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the reasons I like these things because it's like somebody, a bunch of people are going to listen to this and be like, me too. You know, like yeah. you and I are not the only women that didn't like being pregnant, you know, it took, people are just yeah. to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have one friend, uh, Jamie, and I feel like she's was actually created on this planet to be a mother. Like she is everything that I ever want to be in a mother. And when she told me that she didn't like being pregnant, I was like, I can finally say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And not feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And it also made me realize like, when you ask me to do this, I feel like people don't share the negatives enough. And then you feel like you don't want to share them because you feel isolated or you don't want to be judged. And I think it just needs to be normalized that everyone has their own experience and you've got to share it with other people, no matter what it is. And all of it too, like just being real, because like sometimes too, people are so willing to share their like horror stories of their births. And so then it makes people who had a positive experience not want to share because I don't want her to feel bad that she didn't get this beautiful experience. So it's just like, everyone has experiences and we should just be like real about them, you know, so we can all hear different experiences and learn from people and yeah I, no, I yeah, totally yeah. agree I remember I was like obviously in love with birth and birth work and everything about it and I remember saying to people when they were just like over it at the end of their pregnancies and like oh just try to enjoy it you know you'll miss it when it's gone like I remember saying these words and then after I got pregnant I was like eating those words you know? <laughs> right. I was like I will never say that to somebody again because you don't know what it's like to be in their body you know and some right. people do have really smooth pregnancies and love it and I thought I would love it Mm-mm. I wanted to love it I wanted to love it so bad and there were parts of it I did love like 
Oh my God. I can cry right now. Thinking the first time I felt him kick. Oh, oh my God. I miss that. <laughs> that feeling. Oh, I'm going to cry. Oh. oh, where were you when you felt it? Right here yeah. at my desk at work. <laughs> So yeah <laughs> I remember I was like oh I'm having this really weird cramping in my lower pelvic region and I went to my next appointment the next day and I was explaining it and they were like that's not cramping oh. like, that was moving no it was so amazing oh, and so yeah so I never found out the sex of the baby um like I said I'm a super planner and I feel like not knowing the sex of the baby is like the last true surprise you'll ever get in life. I'm actually surprised because a lot of people, because they're a planner, they have to know. Well, right, which is, I go one way or the other. I either have to control every single decision and thing that I do, or I want absolutely nothing planned. Because if I plan like kind of, then I'm like anxious about what I did or didn't Uh, plan. So uh either I want no plan. Oh, I'm sorry. You're fine. Um, either I want no plan or I want everything planned. Yeah. And so I, I felt like I didn't want to know what the, what the sex of the baby was because I didn't want to start planning out like my baby's life until the baby was here. Um, that I felt like that my pregnancy wouldn't be about the present of like being pregnant. It would be about, okay, what happens after the baby comes and like, are they going to play football or are they going to do this or whatever it was going to be like, it was going to be just a spiral of like the future. And I really wanted to like, not, even though I didn't love being pregnant, I still wanted to stay present in my pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of contradictory. I understand you. Yeah. Um, I was also a zombie my entire pregnancy. I probably slept for like three months straight (laughs) of my entire time. And I remember, I'm very fortunate. My boyfriend owns a company that I work at. And so that is probably the only reason why I didn't have a complete mental breakdown while being pregnant because I got high flexibility and I didn't have to, I didn't have to be at work at a certain time. And so sometimes I would sleep until noon because I was up all night long. Um, Raiden was a mover from the second he started moving. And so he would, um, I forgot my tissue really fast. Yeah, no worries. (laughs) Okay. So he was super active. Right. And I remember, um, one night I actually fell asleep before Jeremy, which doesn't happen. Like I said, and he woke me up. It was like, you have an alien inside of you. <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, you were asleep and he was moving and I could see him like pushing on your stomach. And he was like, it was like an out-of-body experience. Like, <laughs> like, like you were asleep. It, that shouldn't be happening. I'm like, no, that's normal. That's why I don't sleep at night, babe, because he does that all night long. You're like, like this is normal. Why did you wake me? <laughs> yeah. Like, now I'm awake and I'm not going back to sleep. Now you're not going to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, he moved a lot. And I, I'm trying to think of like, it's weird. I feel like I like think back and I don't like remember my whole pregnancy. Like I do, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's like me trying to block it out a little bit because I didn't love it. But I didn't get like physically uncomfortable 
like with the size of my body until like closer to the end, mm-hmm. um, like my stomach grew really, really fast. Like you could tell I was pregnant at three months, like without a doubt I was pregnant, which was weird because I always thought it was going to take longer. So I, sh- I showed really early. Um, and I had a lot of really, really bad hip, hip stuff. So I went to, um, I am going to shamelessly put, put a, um, I started going to Acorn um, in Petaluma and I'm obsessed with Dr. Jen. Um, Me too. Yeah. Oh, she's so great. Um, And she like just made me feel so much better because I was in constant pain. I was also sitting a lot with work. So that was, I'm sure part of it, but I don't know. It's just so many things about birth that were or uh, pregnancy that I just didn't love. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if we like lived in our little villages where you, you know, went through pregnancies with all the women in your village, we would see these things on a daily basis and see their hardships. And so it would yeah. become normalized, you know, a little bit. Yeah. 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 So um, I don't want to like be negative and put down the, the place that I had originally chosen to birth because I do know other people that birthed there that loved it, but I just did not love my experience. Mm-hmm. There was one midwife that I fell in love with. Uh-huh. Um, and so the way it worked at the birth center that I was going to is um, they have you go to, they try to make you go to appointments with all the different midwives. Mm-hmm. That way you at least meet everyone. So it's not like a total shock if you get one or the other. Right. And I had met all of them and somehow, I don't know if it was like the day that worked best for me for my schedule and the time I had the same midwife for probably five appointments straight. And she was fantastic. Um, she explained everything in detail and made me feel so good about everything and never asked about vaccines or any shots or anything. And so I like was manifesting in my own mind, like she was going to be there when I was going into labor. And she actually had said to me, like, I'm going to we'll see. Maybe I'll just like move my on call around to be there. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I remember thinking that I wasn't going to make it to my due date, which I'm sure a lot of women feel that way because you go to the place where you're like, I can't, like, there's nowhere else. Where's it going to (laughs) go? I can't go. I can't get any bigger Uh Not physically possible. And I got to that point where I'm like, I don't know where it's going to go. Like this baby has got to come out. And I never wished that he came early. I was never like a thought that I had. I was always like comfortable and okay. I took enough classes in college to know that like going to full term is like for a reason. It's like the development of the baby and how everything grows and on and on. Right. Like I knew that coming early meant there was something that maybe wasn't, hadn't been developed as, as it should should. Um, (laughs) but, um, I, I just had this feeling and I kept saying like, the baby's going to come on August 16th. Like I, the baby is coming on August 16th. And when were you due? August 21st. Okay. I was like, he's not going to come like super early, but he's coming early. I really feel it. And I remember everyone like started guessing and my friend, Jamie, the one who I said was super mom, she texted me the same day that I had told Jeremy and said, he's coming on the 16th. And she said, um, your baby's coming on the 16th and it's going to be a boy and he's going to be eight pounds and 10 ounces. Very I was like, oh. <laughs> huh? Very specific. Everyone's placing. Right. 
very specific, right? And I was like, okay, that's weird. Cause that's the exact date that I said. And I remember th- I felt like I was pregnant with a boy for like the very beginning of my pregnancy. And then I had an overwhelming feeling it was a girl for sure. It was a girl. And I think I never really wanted it to be a girl because I didn't have a present mom growing up. And so I have no idea what a mother and daughter relationship looks like. And so I'm like, nope, can't be a girl. Can't happen. No girls. But then I like came to peace with the fact that I was pregnant with a girl for sure. And I was like planning all the things I was going to do with my daughter, <laughs> which is ironic. Right. So the whole reason you didn't find out was to avoid that. But. Was to avoid that. And then there I was doing it, right? Like stopping myself from buying anything that yeah. was girl related because I don't want to jinx it but um I feel like I'm like going off on a tangent right oh, now oh no this is great yeah you were okay. talking about like you were sure you were going to go early on the 16th and mm-hmm. so I really there is one thing that I knew when I was having a baby shower I was going to have an in-person shower and I was going to invite every friend that I wanted to be there from whatever walk of life that I had and I was 100% comfortable with not one person saying they could come Mm-hmm. or with everyone showing up. And that might've been like an irresponsible thing to do based on the climate. But I just felt like I was not willing to sacrifice that. Like that was the one day that was going to be about me and I was going to make sure it happened. Mm-hmm. And I think I ended up inviting like 50 people. And how many showed? Uh, 21. Nice. Yeah. And it, and you know, anyone who wanted to wear a mask wore a mask, anyone who didn't, didn't. And it was like super comfortable and we did it outside. And, you know, there was an option for being plenty socially distanced if you wanted to or not. And that for me was a moment where I was like, wow, like I am so loved. It is COVID times. And I have 21 people who showed up for the shower. Even some of my friends' moms who hadn't seen anyone during all of it because of their age and their fears around COVID. And that was really special. It was, I just got chills. Up my it own. was amazing. I mean, I'm really lucky to have a lot of very uh, supportive and beautiful and smart and funny girlfriends. And they're all, I agree with that. Just based <laughs> on your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And they're all also extremely talented in their own way. And I couldn't have imagined in the best scenario possible, let alone what, like the climate that we were in, how beautiful my shower was. I mean, oh, it was so great. So that was really, spe- yeah, it was really, really, really special. And um, where our house is under construction, so my entire pregnancy, I lived in a construction zone, but I had for like a year before that too, so it was normal. Normal. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Jeremy was like, well, I'm not going to leave during your shower. Like I'm not going to be at your shower, but I'm going to be inside working on the house. Like I'm not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And just like the way that my friends were like, I don't know. I I didn't want a co-ed shower. I knew that, but like the way that I still like made him come be like a little part of it for like a little bit was like so sweet. And I don't know, it was just a really special day. So that, (laughs) yeah. I don't like any photos of, of myself in the shower, but I loved everything else about it. Experience, yeah. Yeah. So as I started getting closer, um, I remember the midwives at each appointment would tell me that I needed to, um, I needed to write a birth plan. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know why I was so resistant to writing a birth plan because like I said, I am a planner, but like, I wouldn't do it. And then I come to the next appointment and they'd say, do you have your birth plan? I'm like, no, no birth, no birth plan. And then finally I realized it was the fear and anxiety about not having my birth go exactly how I wanted to, that I couldn't even put it on paper because then this pregnancy that was not very enjoyable would end in a way that like, this is not what I wanted. And I couldn't stomach that. So me and Jeremy talked about it. And I said, I'm actually not going to write one because if it doesn't go the way I want it, I'm going to freak out. And then labor is going to be horrible. And so what I'll do is I, I have like a few firm things that I know I want. Um, I want delayed cord cutting. I want this ridiculous <laughs> spa music. That's got no uh, string instruments in it. Only wind instruments. <laughs> because it makes me feel calm and um I want dim lights because I don't really like bright lights and I want like lavender or mint in the diffuser uh peppermint not spearmint (laughs) other than that like I know I'm very specific this is my point if I would have really written one out it would have gone out of control um So that was all I said. I mean, other than that, like, I didn't really think, I didn't want to think about what if I went to the hospital because Mm -hmm. I felt like then I was going to end up at the hospital. So I just didn't put anything into it. And except for, I don't want any meds. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very, very firm that I didn't want that. Um, I, and I don't even really know why it's not even like I had done so much research about what I did to the baby or anything like that. I just knew I didn't want it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I watched this video when I was younger of this woman giving birth, like in like the middle of like the Sahara desert or something. Like she just like was in like a squatting pee position and just like birthed her own baby. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, women have been giving birth for like thousands of years without anything mm-hmm. like nothing against anyone that wants meds but I can do it and I want to prove to myself like that I can do it and so that's what I'm gonna do mm-hmm. so that was really my only like hospital thing is like just make sure that I don't get anything and right once again so I had two friends that I knew that I was going to have one or the other, and I didn't want to make a choice. I told them that, like, I don't know which one of you it's going to be the night well, of. So I was going to ask, like, your partner couldn't come with you to appointments, but what right. was the birth situation? Like, could you have people join you? Okay, right. So there came a point, like, I want to say in, like, June, where he got to start coming to my appointments. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was like when everything in the county kind of reopened, like outdoor dining and all those things reopened. That's when they started letting him come to uh, my appointment. So like he didn't get to come to my, um, what's that first like really big appointment that you go to? Um, anat- the anatomy scan. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so our, oh, that day was horrible. Oh, they wouldn't let him come and I was hysterical. And one of my girlfriends just said, listen, just FaceTime him, like FaceTime him from the appointment. Then you can see him. And I remember I was like, Oh, put me at ease. And I walked into the appointment and, um, mind you, it wasn't at the birth center I had chosen. They, it's like an outsource. It was at Sutter. And I have no, I have no issue calling that out because it's a bigger <laughs> hospital Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, not like a small thing, but, um, and they were like, I pulled my phone out and I was like dialing. I was so excited to get it up. And she's like, what are you doing? 
I'm going to FaceTime my boyfriend so he can like at least see. And she's like, no. They wouldn't let you FaceTime? And I said, I'm sorry, what? What do you mean? No. And she's like, it's against our policy. What? I like started tearing up. Oh my God. I was like, I'm sorry. I can't have him on the phone. And she's like, no, because what if it's bad news? I'm like, no, literally, what if it's bad news and I want him on the phone? Right. He's the one person I want. The one person. And she said, well, it's like um, liability or something if you have it recorded. I was like, well, I'm not trying to record it, but regardless, it's my pregnancy, it's my baby, and it's my good or bad news to share with whoever I want. So I don't really, I started crying and she said, why are you crying? I was like, oh my God, I hate you. So immediately I hated every second of that experience until she started going over everything with the baby. And I will tell you, I have realized that I will give up bedside manner for somebody who is like completely knowledgeable in what they're talking about because she was so thorough with what she was doing during the anatomy. Like I asked 1 million questions. What's that? What's that? What, what is that color? And she explained everything in such detail, like took the time. Like she obviously had zero people skills, but was like very smart. <laughs> and in that moment, I was just okay with it. Like, yeah. I didn't need you to be my friend. I wanted you to tell me that my baby was typically developing like inside. Like that's all I wanted to know. And that's what those appointments I felt like are for. And so it was, it ended up being okay because she was so thorough with everything. Mm-hmm. It still sucked to yeah. cry. Yeah. Be told why are you crying? But so there was my like second not great experience, right? With like some sort of like hospital or medical professional like space. There should be um, a rule that if anyone on your, you know, birth team makes you cry, then they're just out. <laughs> I right. I totally agree. And I and I just kept thinking to myself, okay, what about women whose husbands are on a union job and they get stuck going super far away from home or they're in the military and they can't be there or whatever it is like even without COVID there's plenty of reasons why people cannot be at appointments like that Mm -hmm. I just feel like there needs to be an overhaul of that rule but yeah yeah I'm gonna pass now (laughs) so well, for the future and for anyone listening I know a sonographer who will come and do home visits so that the whole family oh wow that's awesome. That is good. If I had known you in your pregnancy, I, I know. <laughs> so weird that we didn't. Um, so after that, I got more. Um, so I was asking, like, what were they telling you? Like, could you bring people with you to birth? Could you have oh, right. a friend? And- right. So what they, um, first it was only one person, like I was saying, and then around June. Um, one person when they, meaning like your partner, probably. It, yeah. Well, yeah. The, they say it could be anyone. Yeah, yeah. you know and like a person and him right and like I told him like babe I love you but I don't know if people want it's gonna be because it's sad to even think you'd have to choose I it is um however I don't have any family that lives in Sonoma County even though I was born and raised here um everyone's moved away except for me and so any like blood family I don't have like my mom doesn't live here or my sister or any of that so that wasn't like a worry that I'd have to like choose one of them. Um, so, or that they would, they wouldn't have been able to be here anyways, just based on everything that was going on. And so I love my partner and he's super supportive, but he has a queasy stomach and he's super easy to like 
be grossed out by stuff and not that birth is gross, but for some people who have never been, you know, he never held a baby or really been around kids or anything like that. Um, he even said like, I don't know if I'm the one that you want to be there because I don't know if I can handle it. And I'm like, I'm going to need someone that's like going to be there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we had honestly talked about like when it came time to like, baby might not be the one. And he was like, completely fine with that. Mm -hmm. but then they changed it to two. So I picked two friends and told them like, you know, the night I go into labor, I'm going to call one of you. And that's just going to be how it is. And so we prepared for that to be the situation. And, uh, as it got closer, I started getting nervous. I'm like, like, are they going to get their feelings hurt if I choose one over the other? And it was like this whole other process for me because I'm a people pleaser and hate letting anyone down. So even though it was like my birth and my experience, I'm like worried about other people's feelings. <laughs> yeah. So can you pause it for a second? I have a really <laughs> runny nose. No worries. Um, so I was worried about which, you know, who I was going to choose or what was going to happen. Um, and I don't know, that never really went away. Luckily, I ended up having to choose. <laughs> but um, I, as I got closer to my due date, well, I had to take these Zoom, Zoom bike birthing classes at the birth center that I chose. And they're like requirement for like insurance purposes or something like that. And I mean, Zoom is not like really enjoyable for anyone, I don't think. And so to have to like be in a Zoom birth class where everyone's trying to ask questions at one time and the screen's like, there's like 50 women on the screen. It's like going from one to the other to the other. And it's like, oh, it was just so bizarre. And I never like paid attention to really listen to any of it because I was so checked out. And I had those murder chickens at my house. I'm sure you remember (laughs) murder roosters at my house were like, I was always watching my back for a chicken. It was just an experience, that whole thing. And, um, I didn't pay attention enough. And then I started getting really anxious as I got closer to my uh, due date because I'm like, I don't actually know what I'm looking for. Like, I don't know what the signs are. And we really didn't talk about it in any of my appointments. We just talked about it in those classes and I didn't pay attention. So I wasn't really sure. And uh, I remember I had, I think it was like the first week of August, I had an appointment and I got to the point in my pregnancy where I, um, they made me get on the scale every time I went to an appointment. Um, and that was hard for me. I did not want that. I gained a significant amount of weight during my pregnancy over 60 pounds. Mm -hmm. And that was, I don't know. I just, you start off your appointment by looking at a scale and being like, Oh, there I go again, (laughs) back up. So I remember I got on the scale And I would like turn around so I don't have to look at it. And I went into the room and I'm like all upset. Mm -hmm. And then I started asking questions and they're like, well, it was in your Zoom class. (laughs) You're right, it was. And I clearly didn't pay attention. So can you tell me again? And so they were telling me, I remember thinking, I really hope that this midwife is not on call when I go into labor Mm -hmm. because she's not very friendly. I don't feel connected to her. And I really like, I don't even want her in the room. And so I left that appointment and I don't remember the date of that. And I remember being at work the next week and I felt really crampy and weird all week and it hurt pretty bad, but I didn't really have Braxton Hicks because I don't think I did during my pregnancy. So I didn't really know what was going on. And I remember telling Jeremy, I'm like, oh, I'm 
really, really crampy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, babe, I think it's happening. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, it's got to hurt worse than this. <laughs> and it was a Friday and I like couldn't even sit down at work all day. I was like in so much pain. It was August 14th. And I was like, God, man, it really hurts. So I got home from work or I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave work early because I want to wash my hair and take a really good shower. Cause I don't know. I feel like something could be happening. I don't know when the next time I'm able to wash my hair is. And I already only wash my hair like twice a week to do it now. So I remember I went home and I took a shower and I washed my hair and then I got out of the shower and I'm like, no, this like this, I think I'm in labor. And I called Jamie and she was like, all right, download this. Oh no, I called my friend Megan and she was like, okay, download this app. And it's like a contraction tracker. So you don't have to worry about like, if you track it from the beginning or the end, you just hit the button every time a contraction starts and you hit the button again when it's over. And she's, I don't remember exactly. You're gonna have to correct me here because now it's gone. Like as long as they're like every three minutes or less, what is it supposed to be? Yeah. Well, once you get to like every four minutes, um, Uh then usually it tells you to like go to your place of birth. Yeah. So it, oh yeah. It was like contractions lasting longer than a minute happening yeah. every three minutes for like an hour. So I started so tracking call it the four one one or something. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the birth, the birth center I was going to, they called it three one one. And I, from the second I started tracking at eight 30, it was already at three one one. And I'm like, there is no way like that is unless my contractions have been so bad all day. I didn't realize like I'm in active labor right now and this is bizarre. So I'm just going to clear it and do it again. And I remember by 10 o'clock, I'm like, no, I'm like in labor. Mm-hmm. So I called the midwife on call and she was like, hi, um, well, I'm actually at the hospital right now at another birth. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I'm a people pleaser. So I'm immediately feeling guilty that I'm like interrupting somebody else's experience for my own. And I just feel like it, it was inappropriate. Like she never should have told me that. She just should have said, you know, yep, we'll be there. Come meet us. Because now so it's that, in my head too that someone had to transfer. And- exactly. That she's like, I'll call someone else to come meet you. And I'm like, God, here we go. Like I'm feeling guilty that I'm inconveniencing someone's day with my birth. So I go and I get, we get there. Well, first of all, from eight to 10 30, the like level or like the pace at which my contractions like escalated in painfulness was out of control. Mm-hmm. Like it was felt like period, like strong period cramps to like, I couldn't even sit down in the car driving to the birth center. I was on my hands and knees. It hurt so bad in the back seat. Mm-hmm. So we get to the birth center and we get out and we go inside and um, the midwife was the midwife that I was praying would not be at my birth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's who was on call. And I or not on just... call because that was the backup midwife, right? No. So that's the thing. Is so she oh. ended up having the backup person go to the hospital and she came oh, and met me. Okay. What a gift. <laughs> so we're in the room and she's like talking to us. And I A didn't ask for anything. All I wanted to know was like, okay, what do I do now? And so she went to do um, an exam to check how dilated I was. And I didn't know any different. Like I didn't know how invasive that was or non-invasive or how typical that was. I just thought, you know. 
vaginal exam? They didn't do any in pregnancy or? No, they, they did, but I meant um, like, yeah, while I was having contractions. Having contractions. Yeah. Okay. And I, you know, I always thought, I feel like they didn't even talk about this in any of those birthing classes I had to take. Mm-hmm. Your water breaks mm-hmm. and then your contractions get worse and then you get to a certain centimeter dilated and then you have the baby. Well, my water definitely had not broken. I knew that. Like there was nothing happening down there, but no one ever explained like I could be in labor for hours before my water broke. Mm -hmm. Like, how is it possible that I was 10 months pregnant and no one had ever explained that to me, Mm -hmm. even with all these classes. So I'm like, not sure what's going on. I'm so confused. I packed my birth bag as we were going to the hospital because I didn't make a birth plan or, or I mean, sorry, the hospital up to the birth center. Um, so yeah, I didn't make a birth plan or pack, pack a birth bag. So I'm like putting baby clothes and snacks and all these things in the bag. And she does the exam and she's like, I'm really sorry, but you're only one centimeter dilated. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to get through this. Like deflation immediately. Like I'm one centimeter dilated and I'm in this much pain. I didn't say that out loud though. I just thought it to myself because I didn't want to sound weak mm-hmm. or I didn't want to feel weak. Like I was exposing myself and I remember Jeremy was super concerned about me and the state that I was in. And he said, okay, what are we going to do? And I remember she said, well, there's a few interventions in, that we could do. And so the first option though, we'd have to go to the hospital. And I thought to myself, all I heard her say was hospital. I was like kind of blacked out. I'm like, I'm sorry, wait, I have to go to the hospital. And she's like, well, we can go to the hospital and we can give you a shot of morphine. And I was like, mind blown. A, I get that you've only seen me once during my, during my pregnancy, but you are on call and I'm here now. And have you not read anything about like my desires, mm-hmm. like everything in my chart over and over again, every conversation I've had with every midwife is like no medical intervention in that sort of way. Like no pain meds. No, I don't want that. I didn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. And that's a tier one intervention. The first thing you're offering me is like morphine. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that what they give people to like help them pass away? Like in comfort, like comfortably, like not what you give a birth. I mean, a, like a life coming into the world. It was just, it was mind blowing. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Do not give that to me. I don't want it. And so talking as like a first recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it would be different. Like if I would have said, I need something mm-hmm. like I, this is not Okay. Then like, I would have understood it a little bit, but I didn't ask for anything. And so then the next thing she offered was like, um, kind of like an antihistamine that she said would make me tired. I can't remember what it was. Benadryl? It wasn't Benadryl. Um, it might've been whatever the active ingredient in Benadryl is. Okay. Um, and she's like, you know, I can give this to you and you could take one now and one later. And um, it'll help you sleep a little bit so that you can get through it. Cause she said, at this point, I'm extremely worried that you're laboring this hard and you're only one centimeter dilated. Um, I'm extremely worried like that you're not going to be able to make it. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is like my worst fear is coming true right now. Like 
I'm not going to make it. Now I'm going to end up at the hospital. Oh, and I, you have a professional who sees this over and over and over again. And if she's already given up on you. Like fully had given up. Oh my God. It was horrible. So I'm bummed and I, she's like, okay, so take, so I took it. I took the Benadryl or whatever it was. And I'm like thinking, cool, I took the Benadryl. So I'm going to go home and just sleep it off. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. So we went home and it, my contractions progressed and continued to get so severe. I, there was no way I was sleeping. So now I'm like drugged up on some antihistamine sedative. Mm-hmm. So I'm like exhausted, but there is no way I could sleep through it. And I know who my partner is when he doesn't sleep. He is not very helpful in life. So I knew if he didn't sleep, then when I really needed him, like when it was time, mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't going to be able to be present for me. Yeah. Um, so I waited till I thought he was asleep and then I rolled myself out of bed. So we had an air bed set up downstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it was, you know, when you're 10 months pregnant and you have no AC and it's like a hundred degrees upstairs in your bedroom in the windows, we couldn't sleep up there. So we've been sleeping downstairs in the air bed. Um, and so I rolled out of bed and I took myself into the bathroom and I, I've lived in that house for two years. And I had never taken a bath in the bathtub. It's tiny. And I don't know, I was just weird about getting in the bathtub. So I got in the bathtub by myself and I had been texting with a few of my girlfriends that night, four of them, actually, three of them who all have done home births. And did one want... of them go to the birth center with you guys initially? No. You hadn't called anyone yet. We had, I hadn't called anyone. Well, they both knew that I was going, but they didn't, uh, I didn't call them to come yet because right. so all of them have like really young children. Um, and two of them were still breastfeeding mm-hmm. or no. Well, two of the four girls that ended up coming, um, were breastfeeding. And so I didn't want to like have anyone come too early. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I'm like, I'm laboring in the tub and I remember it's like, I don't know, two or three in the morning and I'm like, I can't do it. So I like got myself out of the tub. I dried myself off. I got dressed. I woke Jeremy up and I was like, take me to get the morphine. Mm. Like, I can't do this. I'm in so much pain. I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're getting dressed. And we start, he's like, whatever you want. So he's getting, we're getting dressed. We're walking out to the truck and we're almost to the truck. And he stops me and he says, babe, this is not what you wanted. Uh, this is not what you wanted for yourself. And this is not what you wanted for the baby. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I'm like, holy shit, you are right. Like I am being blinded by the pain and I'm like completely changing what I want in my core for myself and the baby. And I don't want this. And that's something that Jamie had said to me during, uh, like while I was pregnant, before I went to labor, she looked at me in the eyes and said, I need to know right now when you're in your right mind, what you really want. If we end up at the hospital, if you want meds, if you end up getting to the hospital, tell me that now. And if you don't tell me that now, whatever you tell me right now, she's like, that is what I'm going to make you do when we get there, because this is your actual true desire, not you being over like come by whatever feelings you're having in the moment. Mm-hmm. And she's like that. So I need you to be really clear with me right now, because I'm not going to let you do it. If you tell me no now. Mm-hmm. And I thought of that. And I thought of what he said. And I'm like, wow, he's right. Like, this is not what I want. So we went back inside and I called the birth center again and I told them what was going on. And they said, you know, it really hasn't been long enough. I don't think you should come back. You can, if you want to, and two things will happen. Either you'll come back and we'll check you again 
which I knew I did not want to get checked again because when they checked me the first time, that pain getting my service checked was like, oh my God, they're like pushing on your stomach while they shove their hand up there. And like, they don't warn you what they're going to do. It was nothing that I wanted to experience again. So she's like, you can stay in the tub. Mind you, I didn't really know like what I was looking for at that point because I had already met all the, like the checkboxes right. that I needed to. You're like, like I, I already, already be there and that didn't work. <laughs> right. So I'm like, no, because if, if I go there again and you send me home, like, I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to have the baby because like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I like kind of would fall asleep and kind of wake up. And I remember at one point it was just starting to get light outside and Jeremy came in the bathroom and like, couldn't believe that he had slept through me laboring all night in the tub by myself. And he said, um, do you want your friends to come over? And I said, who? And he said, started naming four of my friends. I said, I want them all. Like I want every one of them here right now and he said go we need reinforcements because I don't know what to do and so um one by one four of my girlfriends showed up and uh my friend Megan said listen I don't think that you should go back there like Jeremy told me about the morphine Jeremy told me everything that's happened and doesn't sound like supportive or just anything that you wanted in the environment that you should be in. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, my birth photographer, my doula, Sophia, I can call her and see if maybe she's available because she's also a midwife. And I was like, call her. Mm-hmm. And well, then I remember from the tub, I was like, how much does it cost? <laughs> yeah. She t- and I'm like, oh God, like this is also one of Jeremy's concerns, right? Of a home birth, like paying for out of pocket rather than using the insurance that you spend all your money on all year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember she said how much it costs and I yelled, pay the money. I'll pay the money. Just do it. And she came back in and said, Sophia's coming and she's bringing another midwife with her. And I like felt so relieved knowing that I didn't have to get out of the tub, but I was still a little nervous. Um, and so I had four of my girlfriends there and Jeremy, and then you showed up and we had never met. <laughs> and I felt super comfortable right when you got there. I don't really remember where I was. I like, after, after like telling them to have you come, I feel like it kind of becomes a blur. Like part of me, like let, like let go. Like it was okay that I didn't need to worry about everything that was going to happen at that point. And so it is a little blurry how things happened. Yeah. Um, and it was nothing that I ever pictured happening. Yeah. I just did yeah. not imagine a home birth yeah. with a midwife Megan that I had never met. called me on the way to your house because you had rallied the troops and she was like, I'm going, she kind of told me a little bit and she's like, I'm going to go support her. And I just wanted any advice from a doula, you know, from a midwife, like how can I best support her? And so I was just giving her little tips. Um, and then I had said, you know, I'm just home all day with my family. Just if she would like some, you know, support until she figures out her plan, whether she's going to the hospital, birth center, whatever, like, let me know, I can come listen to the baby or whatever she needs, you know, until she figures it out. And then the next phone call I got was how much for a home birth or, a death or something. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Wait, you know, cause I had never met you or anything. And ah. I sat with it for a minute and I was like, okay, but I know Megan and this is a dear friend of hers. And 
I was like, okay, yeah, I think I could do this. Like, cause I had never just been like called like that to a birth. Um, yeah. And so I called the midwife who usually assists me. And I said, so would you be down to go to a birth for somebody we've never met like right now? And she was like, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, okay. I'm not crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. No. And I feel like that was kind of everyone's response. It was crazy. Um, like I remember listening when, cause we, me and my friends schemed and we're like, okay, who's going to talk to Jeremy? He's not going to be happy about this. Right. We like, we're like Megan, it's gotta be Megan because she's kind of a hard ass, but she can like, you know, she'll say it in an important way. And so I remember, and he, I remember him saying like, whatever she wants, like that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's like one night. So like, I kind of like blacked out for a little while because I, then I'm like, okay, this is all going to be okay. I have like four of the most amazing women ever here supporting me. Um, and like, everything's going to be okay. I remember then you came and then the other midwife came and we're like, then you guys got me a birth tub and I'm like laboring on my airbed. and Morgan walks in and I'm like, that's funny. Here I am. Uh, no pants on just spread Eagle. She was delivering the tub. She was delivering yeah. the tub. And I'm like, and we went to high school together. You played sports with my sister. <laughs> this is so weird. But it was just like, everything it needed to be in my weird under construction house, like the birth tub being set up in my son's room. Well, I didn't know them, but like my future son's room. Do you, with do you pl- remember like what Megan did in labor for you? Like what, do you have a memory of that or? I'm on the airbed and I'm like, is that a vacuum? Is it a vacuum running right now? And I'm like looking around my house and my friend Megan is um, vacuuming my stairs she's windexing the window she's like we cannot have a baby coming in here like this my house was a disaster she is cleaning every inch of my whole house Seriously. and I'm not sure um how many hours into labor when everyone decided they were hungry and wanted to order delivery and I'm on all fours on the airbed and I don't remember maybe you can help me out if my head was facing the slider or my behind was facing the slider but I hear someone say, oh, the delivery's here. And I turn around <laughs> and there's the Mary's pizza man. Yeah, yeah, your your head was here and your bottom was here and there was a door over here, but they came to this one. Okay, good. See, and that's what so I told Jeremy. I held a, um, a blanket up, you know, to kind of give you like a curtain. And I was like, we could just be glad they didn't come to that door. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Jeremy's like, no, babe, they came to the side where you were exposed. I'm like, no, they didn't. No matter what side they came to, it was awkward. He definitely saw what was happening in there and it was weird. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And then the first birth tub ripped because it was, the water was too hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your so, water yeah. Was, I checked the water. Oh, you, cause you got in, you got one foot in and you went, that is scalding. Yeah. I, I had injected somebody else was dealing with the tub and I checked it and it's at 120 degrees. Oh my God. I, was like, oh my God I'm so sorry you got in this. So we like, we're figuring out how to like cool it off and everything, but you actually used that tub for a little while before. I did. It. I, it was yeah, I did. Um, I used it and I used it for long enough for it to like um, rip the skin off my knees. <laughs> So I, I, that's one thing I remember is um, the bottom of the birth tub, like the feeling of it on my knees, because that's the only position I wanted to be in was on my hands and knees or like leaning over the edge of the tub. Uh, being on my back for me was like the worst. Like I tried it a few different times, but I did not enjoy it. So then I remember at one point 
um, Megan's husband came and brought her kids because she needed to feed her daughter. And I remember thinking, nobody leave Michael outside who's three Mm -hmm. unattended because the murder roosters are out there and they're going to get him. So I remember between contractions, I'm like, somebody needs to not let him be out there. And two minutes later, Megan Walkman, she's like, so Mark said he might've injured one of your roosters. They attacked her. They attacked Michael from behind. And I'm like, I knew that was going to happen. This is horrible. (laughs) And I, so at this point, it's like, I don't know, Saturday night. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I guess, yeah, you came, you came Saturday like morning, noonish or something. Maybe oh, okay. Maybe it was ten a.m. I'd have to look back at the records, but yeah. it was yeah, early Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then I remember, I remember it was like dark the first night that I was there, and then I remember it was like dark second night, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like, I, not oh my god, this is still happening, but like oh my god, this is still happening because even though my contractions like they did hurt like very bad. Like my environment was okay. So I didn't really, I don't know. It just yeah. like. And cause I didn't see you I, when I came, your support team was there already, you know, your girls and all that. And so I didn't see you before when I walked in and saw you, I could tell you were still in early labor. Um, but I don't know what you looked like before, but that just goes to show that sometimes like feeling unsupported can make it feel way bigger than it needs to be because you don't feel supported, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like that was a lot of it. It's because like, I was just completely alone. Mm -hmm. And that was like, so weird. I just didn't even know what to do. Oh, I feel like I left out the best part. So when they don't make come back in or I could, um, or I could just keep laboring at home um, they said they called me back in a few hours. They were switching over the on-call. So that was at four in the morning on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then I never heard from them again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember you saying to me, like, <laughs> I haven't heard from them. Should I call yeah, them? Should we and- call them and let yeah, them know I'm not like, coming? I was like, you can just, they'll call you, you know, you can just like wait and respond later. Like you don't need to like make that be a task you need to think about. Just let it go they're going to call. You'll either get the message later or Jeremy. Can yeah. Or- yeah. And then I, and then I put it out of my mind. Cause like you had like given me the, okay. Like I didn't need to worry about it. Like they would call me. Mm-hmm. But I remember then, that then, so the first birth tub ripped and then you were like, do you want another one? And I'm like, sure do. Cause there was nothing that felt better than being in that warm water and having like the pressure of like Thor's hammer on my hips at the same time. And to paint uh, a picture for anyone listening to like a lot of birth tubs, they have like inflatable rings. So it was the top ring, like the steam ripped or something. So the top ring was starting to deflate. So right. it wasn't like this tub, like burst. Right. So we like, you know, bailed and everything. And so we, it didn't get like a mess anywhere. And we yeah. just cleaned it up and got a new tub. The yeah. amazing thing that we were able to find like two birth tubs last minute. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so the, yeah, then the next birth tub came and I remember I was so relieved to get in it and I got in it and I I was in there for a while and I remember um, you or the other midwife like were like upstairs sleeping in our bedroom or something because we had been there for, I don't know, forever. I do. You were, you were upstairs sleeping. Uh, well, at some point Saturday, like before night happened, I do remember you saying something to me when you were in the tub. I can't remember which tub. Um, like, 
like, I feel like I might need to push. Like, can I push? Is this okay? And I just kind of told you, like, listen to your body and, and notice the difference between wanting to push or like, I can't not push, you know, cause sometimes our brain can be like wanting to, because there's so much pressure down there, but like, if it really isn't your body kicking in, I remember you toyed with pushing, you were pushing for a little so, bit. Yeah. So that was on Sunday. That was on Sunday morning. And was this is why Sunday morning. He was, but that was Sunday morning. It was, so that was after, okay. So you were sitting upstairs and I remember the other midwife was like, okay, you need to change an environment. Like you're stagnant at this point. And usually I don't want to tell people what to do, but I feel like there needs to be some kind of a change. Cause what we're doing is like, it's not progressing it. Not that it's a bad thing, but like, let's just try something different. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And she's like, let's go outside. And I'm like, nah, okay. <laughs> and I live on a 10 acre ranch. Like there's lots of like, there's no neighbors. There's all the freedom you want. So I remember I was only wearing a sports bra and I just like put a blanket around myself or something and brought a pillow. And I was outside leaning over the picnic table. Um, and at this point it's like, four three or four in the morning on Sunday August 16th okay and I'm leaning over the picnic table and all of a sudden I hear and see the largest crash of lightning you can ever see across the entire sky and for anyone who doesn't remember August 16th is the night that California lit on fire oh yeah the lightning complex fire yeah that was actually my son coming into the world he's a baby (laughs) x-men he was bringing the lightning the lightning was striking across the sky and I was like what like this is unreal and I remember at this point my friend Jessica was like I feel like we're on like a peyote trip right now like it's like dim in the house and it's like a tropical like thunder and lightning rainstorm it's hot outside like the air is blowing yeah so windy like everyone's exhausted but I'm not really sure what's going on no one's really sleeping (laughs) but it's still like enjoyable (laughs) (laughs) so we were outside for a little longer and then I was like okay I want to I think I I thought to myself that I wanted to push and so that's when I got in the tub and that's when I think you and the other midwife switched and I asked you like can I push? I think I asked you if I could push. That's when you said, well, do you want to, or do you actually feel like you need to, because there is a difference and you will know. And I was like, okay, sure. I will. So I like pushed a little, I was like, no, 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 no. not. What am I doing? That is not okay. And I would say like maybe an hour or two later, I got this like overwhelming feeling that I had to push. It wasn't, it wasn't a want. It was like my body to and I pushed through like one contraction then to the next one and I felt the pop and that was when my water broke and I kept even in that moment I thought Jesus my water just broke I've been in labor for like 34 hours mm-hmm. and it wasn't until that moment and and I remember you like looked in the water or something and said like you saw like some tissue some tissue or something and you're like yeah I, that was your water breaking mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't remember how many out- brain was kind of coming out yeah yeah I don't remember how many hours I pushed for three or four. Three. Um, I could actually look it up. Um, I'm gonna pause real quick. Um, okay, yeah. So we confirmed it was three hours you pushed for. Yeah. So, and the crazy part is, is like I felt like my labor was long. Like I, I, 
I don't remember every detail of it, but I remember it kind of like just kept going. Like it was dark and then it was light and then it was dark and then it started getting light again. Mm-hmm. But once I started pushing, um, it didn't feel like it was a long time and it, it, it hurt, but it wasn't, I don't even know how to explain it though. It wasn't like contractions hurt worse than like the contraction pushing part of it. Like once I started pushing, it was almost relieving, even though it was like, you know, a little painful, it was like relieving to push. And there's I remember a way to where, you know, where you're at now. In yeah. You know, because I think that's a thing we should mention too, because I didn't check you once that whole experience. And there was multiple times where you guys were like, are you sure you don't need to check me? You know, you, you didn't necessarily like ask me to, but you were like, right. you mean I was going to be checking you and I feel like I left that whole part out. I totally forgot yeah. my boyfriend almost having a meltdown. Um, I, yeah, I remember at one point it was, so it was a few hours before I started pushing and I remember looking at him and seeing the look on his face. And I was like, he is not okay. Like he is worried about me and what's going on right now. And he doesn't think this is okay. And even though I felt like it was a really long time that it was happening, I knew it was okay because you weren't doing anything as bad as that might sound. Like I knew if something wasn't okay, you would have been like in there doing stuff more, but like other than like every 30 minutes of you checking my blood pressure and checking the baby's heartbeat, which would have been happening at the hospital too. Yeah. yeah we check baby every 30 minutes and we check all your vitals every four hours. And then if there's any oh. weird thing then we check more often, but it was, there was yeah. no weird thing. Right. But because you were doing that for me, that was enough to know I was okay. Um, like I said, and yeah, it just, it felt like, okay. But I remember seeing his face and knowing that he wasn't okay. And then he said, okay, I'm going to go outside. And I remember like taking care of others. So sitting up and I was like, somebody needs to go check on him. Like he's not okay. And you went out there. I don't know if you want to share what you guys talked about out there, but I'm yeah, totally I have kind of like given him some time. I wanted him to like, you know, cause he, he left to be alone. So I gave him a little bit and then I went out there and was just kind of like, Hey, nice to meet you (laughs) you know like we haven't really had a chance to like get to know each other and like answer any questions you might have we've just been like with you the whole time you know right recording you and um this is not your plan you know so we just kind of like chatted and I basically compared your experience to running a marathon and our experience as like being your support people on the sidelines and if this is something you had planned for, you know, nine, 10 months and you wanted people cheering you on and we're standing there going like, you look exhausted, you know, and like giving you all these reasons to quit at the moment you need us to like keep going, you know, that wouldn't be supportive. And, um, and that like, when you finally cross the finish line and know that you did it, like just how like life-changing that is. And, and yeah, he, he was like, you know, quiet for a while. He asked some questions and then he was quiet and he was like, this is going to change who she is as a person. And like, I could tell when he said that I was like, okay, he's good. Like he gets this. Yeah. You said something else to me that you left out is you said, um, there's going to come a point where she feels like 
she cannot go any further and then she's going to need to go a little further Mm -hmm. and he said it reminded him of um the monks of when he did a he did a solar job at um a Buddhist monastery up in I think Casadero or something and how the monks go out like complete isolation and like they go out until they're like completely broken down and feel like they can't go any further and then they have to go a little further and then they're done and I remember you came back in the room and you were just you and you were like well your boyfriend just compared you to Buddha <laughs> I was like <laughs> okay it's gonna be okay yeah, and you sent him to bed you told him you know you can't take care of her if she can't if you can't uh, take care of yourself so you sent him to bed mm-hmm. and then we went back to the whole pushing thing and when I felt like I needed to push I remember one of my girlfriends kept telling me like stop screaming and that was like the first time I like heard your voice intervene in birth and you were like stop, stop telling her what to do like let her just do what she needs to do yeah I think um, you had a friend who was um when you were pushing was telling you breathe through it breathe through it you know um and I could tell that you were actively when without instruction holding your breath and pushing um like your body was just doing that and so I just kind of reminded everyone in the room like um you know to let you listen to your body and not to do any coaching and just use encouraging words like you can do this you're doing great right and when you said that that was like really relieving for me because I remember I was actually getting really pissed off at her I was like I'm trying my best right now. Like I'm trying not to scream. I know if I tense up and scream, I'm going to tear. Like I already know that. And like you, you reminding me that in this moment is not helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, so when I remember you, said, you saying like, I'm trying not to. And yeah, you know, I don't know how. And I was like, yeah, let's just be quiet and let her listen to her body. Her body will just do it. And, and I think at that point we're listening to Tracy Chapman and I was like feeling it. <laughs> And I actually woke up that night because normally our rule is if birth's not about to happen around midnight, then uh, my assistant and I, we start spelling each other and we do every couple hours we switch off, you know, so somebody's always well rested. Um, But I didn't even sleep my full two hours because the wind was so strong that night. It blew off the like screen in your bedroom. My bedroom. And I was like, and it was not thunder and lightning when I went to bed. So I woke up and I was like, what is happening outside? The car Um, alarms were going off because of the booms. Like it was was insane. I just like purple lightning across the sky. It was so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wow, the world is like roaring this baby in with you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a big reason, I mean, I rarely ever check moms anyways, but specifically, I really didn't want to check you because of one, your experience being checked and being feeling totally defeated. And also that we hadn't had a lot of time to like communicate prenatally and talk about like things. And I just felt like I don't want to give her any news that could be discouraging, you know, and unless there's like a real, unless she's about to make a decision and that can be like really good information to decide if she's going to the hospital or not, like, yeah, what's the point? It doesn't tell us when the baby's coming. Like, let's just keep going. Yeah. 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 Uh, And then I remember I was pushing and I, I started feeling like this pressure on my pelvis. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know that the bottom of your pelvis like the opening (laughs) your perineum yeah and I like started feeling pressure and I'm like okay I think the baby's and I remember just like feeling up there and I'm like it like felt like it possibly could have been hair but it was like a weird texture 
And I remember saying like, I think I feel his head. I, th- or I think I feel a head mm-hmm. and I d- didn't really know what to do. And then I felt this horrible burning <laughs> as I'm pushing <laughs> and it wasn't the same. It was like stretchy burning. <laughs> and I'm like, it's happening. And I remember being like, oh my God, his head's out. What do I do? And you said, well, what do you want to do? And I just reached down there and just pulled him out. (laughs) And it was so cool. It was not what I ever would have imagined. It was crazy. And I remember just like holding him and looking around the room. And it was like everything that I never knew that I needed for myself for birth. Like it was four of my best friends. It was Jeremy who was like, super emotional and he's like a real hard tough guy so like that is not a thing and then like there's you and the other midwife but like in like not the foreground you guys like were in the background just like there but not like there it was just yeah it was pretty cool it was amazing yeah oh my god it was a little extra special too like just like the whole storyline and not knowing you or how it's all gonna go and and yeah as soon as it happened and he started bawling I remember I just started bawling it was like yeah. uh, it was crazy and I remember like I was okay that everyone was in there but I remember thinking about for him like okay <laughs> Because the whole time, I feel like I just was constantly worried about all of you guys, too. Like, making sure everyone was okay. Like, I remember, like, someone was cooking something in the kitchen. And I was like, it's like the fourth drawer down. Yeah, yeah. Like, everyone's like, why is she doing that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the toilet paper's over there. Uh uh And I remember thinking after Raiden came out um, that Jeremy is going to want a moment, but he's not going to ask for it. And like, I just need to like say something because no one else is going to even think about it. Everyone's just like in the moment. And so I was like, can we get a minute? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, duh. Like everyone left and it was just us in there. And it was like, I couldn't even believe that I had done that. I had this perfect, like actually perfect. Like mm-hmm. newborns come out a little wrinkly and a little, and his skin was like, he did not look like a newborn baby. He had these like blue eyes and like a full head of dark hair and he was tan. Oh my God. He was perfect. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, it was special. It was. Yeah. Yeah, Then I remember. Remember the birth of your placenta? Oh, do I? The saga. (laughs) The saga. So I remember I got out of the birth tub and he was still connected to me. Mm -hmm. And I got dried off and then we went and laid on the airbed. And then you were like, who's going to cut the cord? And I was like, Jeremy's going to cut it. And he was like, oh, oh God, like this is weird. He didn't know. And I was like, you're doing it. And I remember he cut the cord. And then I think I held for a little bit. I don't really remember that. And then I remember you being like, okay, well, we're going to have to birth the placenta. And I remember like, once like kind of some of the adrenaline had worn away, I'm like, I could not push, like I couldn't get it out. And so I remember you said there's two options at that point um, is that you could have given me Pitocin because there was no fear of, you know, anything that happening to the baby or anything like that. But you told me that I would probably have contractions for a few more hours. And I was like, no, like that is not an option for me. Pitocin like, can- probably would have been the last 
thing I would have done. Yeah, for you. it was. Yeah. And, well, first you wanted me to try to pee. I'm trying to see how long it was too, if you don't remember. I feel like it was a while. I uh, could be wrong. But... Yeah, because usually like I don't even mention the placenta for the first like 45 minutes, hour. Yeah, no, it was a while. Like then, I was. So it was four hours and 40 minutes. Yeah, so I remember that had been a while and you weren't trying to push me, but then you said, you know, these, like, there were only like a few worries about not getting it out. And one of mine, it was like bacteria or something that could have happened. Like like we were, you know, you could have basically blood filling in your uterus. Thank you. That's what it was. Yeah. And we wouldn't have known. Checking on that and making sure you're like, you know, uterus wasn't rising and, you know, as a sign of getting filled with blood. Um, yeah. and I mean, the biggest thing is just, you want to be done. Like you have all these contractions because they're trying to push the placenta out and you just like want to cuddle in bed with your baby, but you're like, got a job to do. And, um, right. yeah. So we were, we talked about like homeopathy and herbs and yeah. And I think you did give me something to drink, mm-hmm. some, some, like some kind of a tincture and that didn't really work. And then I couldn't pee. And then um, we still waited and you kept checking my stomach and my uterus and it wasn't happening. And then you gave me the two options that I could either do a catheter and drain my bladder and see if well, that was just you blocking it. In the tub, you went into the shower or the tub? I went into my broke. shower. Yeah. And I like, had the water running on me and I was trying to like get it out. I couldn't. So then you offered me a catheter to see if I wanted, you wanted to drain my bladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were uh, wondering if you, because you hadn't peed in a long time too. We a long time. Maybe a really full bladder was holding it up. Yeah, because then I, I remember being like, well, can I just pull it out? And you were like, well, like, yes and no. Like, it's like a yank, you know, because it mm-hmm. could have like, negative Like, if it's but... detached and just sitting there, then yes. But if it's yeah. attached to your uterus, you don't want to like pull Right. And I remember I like pulled a tiny bit on the cord and I could tell like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't going to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose the catheter because I did not want to have contractions for more time. I didn't want a catheter either, but I felt like, you know, a little less invasive. So I remember we did the catheter and my bladder drain, I swear for like a solid two minutes. And I was like pushing on my stomach and it was like, you're like, nope, still, you're still peeing. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a significant amount of your urine that was blocking. And then I remember as soon as that was done, it was like right out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was holding it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then that was super relieving. I remember getting back in bed, and then like a but you know over time, like my girlfriend's like we. I remember Jeremy telling them like back in the beginning and said, "Okay, it's fine if we do this at home, but you girls need to know like you can't just leave the second it's over because I have no idea what I'm doing, and so you guys are gonna have to stay for a little bit." And so jamie and megan left because they were both still breastfeeding and never been away from their kids overnight until my birth and and i remember sierra and and jessica were still there and then jessica stayed because she doesn't have kids so she stayed and was there and i remember like looking up and i'm like is sophia like cleaning now cleaning up my house right now and you were like this little like fairy going around like tidying everything back up and i'm like god this is it's actually one of my favorite parts like I love the like putting everything back together. And so the only way you know a baby was born is because there's a baby. <laughs> right. And that's what it was. Like I remember like I was exhausted, but there was no way I was sleeping. All I wanted to do was stare at my baby, my perfect baby. Oh my God, he was so perfect. 
that's not just me. I feel like I have lots of people have told me that. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and then I remember thinking, wait, there's always like a next day appointment. I don't have to leave my house to have the baby get checked. Like you were like, okay, well, I'm going to be back tomorrow. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and then you came back the next day and then you came back at like day three and then, oh my God, you came back so many times and it was like, and then like, that's what I would look forward to was like you coming back and checking on us and like hanging out. Yeah. I loved my birth so much every minute of not being comfortable during pregnancy and not loving being pregnant was like completely washed away by like the most perfect birth experience I ever could have imagined ever Mm -hmm. yeah I love my birth yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) um what about like extended postpartum was there anything that you know stood out for you or that was hard or how was breastfeeding? How was like your body healing? You know, how, how did all that go? Um, yeah. Postpartum is also something that people do not talk enough about and do not share enough about like how hard it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, no matter how hard labor could ever be, like the weeks after that are so much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, Like, I just felt like my body wasn't mine. Like, I was just like this walking milk machine for my child. And like, I had no identity anymore. And that was really, really hard. Cause like, I loved him and I wanted to nourish him. And I felt super fortunate that I am like an actual milk cow and produce so much breast milk still five months later, but it's kind of shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel really lucky and fortunate for that. But at the same time, it was like daunting, like, my milk coming in, my God, my boobs hurt so bad. Um, and Raiden just wanted to nurse 24 seven. And I just felt it was rough. Mm-hmm. I didn't sleep and, uh, he spit up like crazy all the time. And I remember, I think it wasn't until maybe like six weeks old that like we, that I like shared with you, like what was going on for him. Like, all of the symptoms I like listed them all off and you were like that's like every symptom of baby reflux uh possible and so with a cop like he didn't sleep like my child did not sleep team no nap um he was awake all day he was awake all night um there's that active baby in the womb you were talking about yeah exactly um and it was really 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 tough because everyone's there for you when you very first have a baby and then everyone disappears um and like it's like forgotten about and that's something I think it's really important for anyone to know who is um gonna support a mom is like stagger the support like everyone being there in the beginning I remember I was like overwhelmed by my meal train I had so much food and I was wasting it and feeding it to my dog and I felt horrible because I couldn't eat it all fast enough and then after nine days there was nothing mm-hmm. I'm like this is mm-hmm. awful yeah. it's almost like you're on a trip and then all of a sudden it's then you crash yeah yeah um, it's one reason that I've extended my postpartum for for like the first year postpartum because 
sometimes those visits are all people are getting, especially during COVID right now. You know? I count down the days till my next visit with you. I remember when I found out that after you came every month and I'll, you weren't coming in until six, I was like, Raina, hurry up and grow faster. Like we're six months, Sophia needs to come back. <laughs> like missing two months in a row is too much. <laughs> like we look forward to those visits. So, and I, something that I didn't do, but I wish that I would have was have a postpartum doula. And I will definitely do that with my next baby. Um, I'm sure like that wasn't shared with me because I didn't have you for prenatal care. And so it wasn't obviously anything that was talked about. I, we have a whole thing where we have a postpartum plan we fill out, you know, where we talk about postpartum and, you know, consider all the options. And if you are going to hire someone like interview now and know who it would be. And, you know, um, yeah, cause it's, I mean, we spend so much time planning for one moment, the birth, which right. a day or a couple of days, but then postpartum you're in it for the rest of your life. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I feel like for me, like week seven was like the peak and then it started to like get better. Like for like the first seven weeks he escalated, like, you know, he was great for three days and then like it escalated more and more and more and like longer bouts of crying and less time of sleep and like the harder it was for me and then like at seven weeks it kind of plateaued and then like it's only gotten better like at this point I also started taking him to Acorn and taking him to the chiropractor and immediately that changed like you know he had like a little twist in his shoulder and his spine and not like a, a birth defect sort of twist but like just like coming through a birth canal kind of twist. And, um, after I was taking him there twice a week in the beginning and he started sleeping and it was amazing. So I would say overall, like postpartum care, like I could have done a better job of like being more educated on it and having more help. Um, but I also feel like I needed to ask for it more and I'm not someone who's really willing to ask for help. Like you'd come over and be like, oh, do you need anything? And I'd be like, nope. And then all of a sudden you'd show up with like, like, here's a tray of snacks and here's a water and here's this, like, this is what you need to be doing. And I'm like, okay, yes, Sophia, I know you're right. <laughs> I don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I feel like now I'm at f- five months and it feels like I'm so far removed from birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, I love being a mom. I didn't love being pregnant, but that's all worth it. (laughs) I know we actually just changed um, our package that we offer because we're recognizing the lack of postpartum support. Um, And um, so we now have included a postpartum doula for the first week and meal meal trays um, that she brings, like snack trays, you know, platters, um, like kind of what I prepare for you, but like really pretty and beautiful. Um, And and then also an in-home massage. And the whole point of that is that we want that, because all those things can be seen as luxury, but we want it to be seen as just bare bones. Like, no, that's just like, the bare minimum to like get through those first couple of weeks, you know, like have somebody loving on your body and have somebody there who can support you with, you know, the baby and, and food, you know, and then if you want to, it makes it easier to, to like continue that, you know, like to have the doula come more often, you know, when versus having to like reach out and interview just feels like so much work. 
you know, yeah. but now you already have a relationship with someone you can just continue it longer if it's working great. Um, I think that is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I think like being comfortable, like being able to take care of your, I remember thinking one day, someone's like, you need to take care of yourself. Like you need to take a shower. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> except bathing regularly isn't self-care that's like a normal hygiene function that everyone should get to do so like my break so I get to go take a shower by myself like what a what a crock of shit when when people are like oh I got to go shopping alone it's like okay but that isn't self-care like that's yeah that's not self-care like I'm sorry, but pooping on the toilet without having the baby strapped to the front of me is not self-care. <laughs> like that's a normal function of life that you should get on, without anyone telling you to do it. Yeah. 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 I think that postpartum care is like the most important thing that I think uh, out of everything, even more than like birth and what I didn't, didn't know that part, postpartum care is important. Critical. Yeah. Most other countries they'll, you know, have, uh, you know, a year's worth of maternity pay and like postpartum support included, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your welcome. I love hearing it from your perspective because I have it in my head. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. I love hearing my birth story coming from other people that were at my birth. I feel like it's so much cooler. (laughs) (laughs) You're like fuzzy. And, but then again, like I had this memory of when, I my memory of when you started like toying with the idea of pushing and then actually pushing, I felt like they were so much farther spaced than they were. Yeah. So everybody's yeah. experience is a little blurred over time. And the reality is it probably wasn't when you think it was, and it probably also wasn't when I think it <laughs> That's was. True. It's probably, probably somewhere in the middle. Notes, though. I probably have. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> okay. Thank well, you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thanks everybody for listening. You can find us at Born Wild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray, R-E-A, Sophia at sophiabirth.com, and me, Leah, at Bay Area Home Birth. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, stay stay wild. wild.